0: Lock talk, talk radio. Live from Los Angeles, the win without competing show with Dr. Arlene Barrow, host and creator of the Right Fit Method, the key to professional and personal success. Now let's join Dr. Arlene. Thank you, Virgil. Welcome to Win Without Competing. Today I will unveil the number one blockbuster business and career strategy for 2012. I invited Michael Yurchak, award winning actor and voiceover artist to be my co-host for this special event. You will meet him shortly. Thanks for the emails telling me how much you enjoyed my interview of Michael on September 21, 2011. If you missed that show, please be sure to listen to it after today's show. Do you frequently feel frustrated, stuck, unmotivated, and uninspired? then you must take charge of yourself. That means you need to think and act differently. Here's how. I want you to cultivate your curiosity. To do that, you must become a divergent thinker. You need to figure out many strategies to resolve a challenging situation. For example, if you're suddenly unemployed, and you blast your resume from Burbank to Bombay and wait for a job to land on your desk, you are thinking convergently. To succeed in your job search or growing your business, you must have a toolbox filled with an array of strategies. You will need to figure out the strategies to put into your toolbox. Then. Put your curiosity to work. Test your strategies. Figure out which strategies are effective for you. Michael and I will share stories from our own life experiences to show you how thinking divergently can propel you to success. It's easier than you think. It gives me great pleasure to introduce my co-host, today, Michael Yurchak.
1: Thank you so much. It's a great pleasure to be here, Dr. Arlene.
0: It's a great pleasure to have you join me. I'm eager to share my Israeli adventure with you. Have you ever been to Israel, Michael?
1: I have not been to Israel, but, uh, but I can't wait to hear your story.
0: All right, listen to this. When I was with the National Cancer Institute, National Institutes of Health, I was about to become unemployed. I was on a contractual basis, and my four years were about up, and I decided to think divergently. I contacted Ben-Gurion University in Israel, and lo and behold, I negotiated a one-year contract to become a visiting associate professor. As part of that agreement, they incorporated a housing arrangement. Little did I know what it would be like. When I got there, I took a look and said to myself, I cannot live in this place for a year. Having examined the blood-stained sheets because I was in housing that was really reserved for residents, and the quarters were not good. Let's put it like that. So I looked around, and I found a terrific condo in Beersheva and contacted the physician who owned it. He was going abroad uh, to the U.S., actually, to the National Institutes of Health, told him that I was interested in renting it. What do you think happened next, Michael, in terms of what they wanted for security deposit? You know in this country, we're doing first last and and, this, and another month, correct?
1: That sounds reasonable.
0: Right. Well, they didn't think that was so reasonable initially. They wanted $10,000 as a security deposit.
1: <laughs> That's crazy.
0: Isn't it crazy? $10,000. So this is what happened next. And a co-signer. Now, who was going to co-sign for me? That didn't make any sense at all. So this is what I decided to do. They made a whole list of all the belongings in the apartment because they were leaving it furnished. And that's, of course, what I had needed, including their gigantic television set. And so what I did was... Next to each item, you know, like you have a multiple-choice test and you put all these different choices. Well, I thought I saw a vision in my head of either chipped, broken, damaged, non-usable. I had all these choices that came up in my head. And next to each item, I wrote something down. Then, of course, what do you think happened next? I, of course, needed an attorney in Israel to negotiate this kind of thing you need an attorney. So we met the physician, the attorney and I, we all got together, and then the physician said, I'm so embarrassed. Well wasn't that was it wasn't my goal to embarrass him, but my goal was to tell him basically that everything wasn't brand new. And that if he didn't trust me, he shouldn't rent. Wouldn't you agree? If you don't trust somebody, how can you rent to them?
1: I agree completely, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, after all, did he really believe, and I asked him, uh, that I would move everything out of the apartment? Well, of course I wasn't going to do that. So basically we did the, the three months and we finalized the agreement. And to do that, I had to have... The lease translated from Hebrew to English, which cost me $250. And so basically, through divergent thinking, which was finding something wrong with everything in the apartment, I was able to rent the apartment. So now, I'm eager to hear your story. I know that when we talked before the show, you have a terrific story of how you moved to New York City and it involved James Lipton's acting actor's studio. Tell me about that.
1: Well, <clears throat> when I was when I wore a younger man's clothes, Doctor Arlene, <laughs> when I was <laughs> when I was just a little bit younger, I. Uh, I had been living in Los Angeles, and uh, I knew that I was having a certain amount of success as a commercial actor, but uh, what I really wanted to do was take my career to the next level, so I thought that what I needed to do uh, was to go back to graduate school and get a master's degree uh, in order to become a working actor who could also teach, because I was interested in the teaching aspect of things as well. So... Uh, I applied to school I was accepted into James Lipton's program at uh, at the Actor's Studio you may have uh seen his show on Bravo inside the Actor's Studio that's the the master students who are are participating in that program uh are part of the program that I was originally intending on going to so my wife and I moved back to New York and uh and I was all set to get started and about 2 weeks before the program began I was offered a job in on a movie, in a movie, uh, which was shooting for six weeks in Mexico. And I basically had 48 hours to make a choice. I either, the, the people at school told me that that was unacceptable. I couldn't miss four weeks of school and join the program late. And the people in the film told me I either had to take it or leave it. So I had 48 hours to make a decision of whether or not I was going to continue with the program that I had just moved across the country to start or let that program go and take the other opportunity of being in the movie. And essentially I had a crossroads decision where I needed to assess exactly what I was doing any of this for in the first place. And I looked at the at the options and 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 I looked at why I was doing it. And what I came in, what I came up with was I wanted to be a working actor who could also teach. And this was an opportunity to be a working actor. What was missing was the master's degree, but the six weeks wasn't going to make or break the master's degree, and graduate school wasn't going anywhere. I ended up deciding to take the movie, and I did giving up my spot at the actor's studio and in the end, I came back with this incredible life experience and a big spot a big uh, sort of hit on my resume and uh and found a different master's program and went through it and ended ended up. Finishing uh, in just about the same amount of time, uh, and I had both the degree and the experience, and it, it it had just come down to me making a choice, taking charge of, of exactly what it was I wanted and what it was I needed, and uh, and going after
0: it. I think that's terrific because sometimes we can be rigid. In other words, you could have said, "Well, it's it's really uh, a." A wonderful thing that i've been accepted to this prestigious program how can i lose out on that but mm-hmm. instead you reevaluated things you thought divergently and then you came to what you determined would be the right decision so if you had to do it over again you would do the same thing correct michael
1: i think absolutely i would and you know the 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 truth is, I don't think I, I would have been entirely wrong doing either. There were certainly, you know, uh, points in each in in both in the pro and con column for each of the decisions. And of course, when I was making the decision, I thought about all the all the positives and negatives for you know for each of the choices. But uh, but absolutely, I, I don't regret it at all, and I'm glad that I that I went that way. And, and the truth is that having done the film uh led uh has led to uh multiple other opportunities inc- including working on three subsequent films with the same production company and uh the new graduate program that I that I enrolled in also sort of launched this new side of my career uh which has involved educational opportunities and working with some of the top theater companies in the country so it uh, i I landed on my feet and that was and and it's worked out well and I think It was, it felt at the time like an extremely scary and difficult decision, and yet at at the same time, I knew that it was my decision, and it was, it was something that needed to satisfy all of the, all of the things that, not only that I, that I needed, but that I, that I wanted, you know, it it was my, it was what suited me best, and what suited the sort of, the, the plan I had in my mind for myself at the time, and, and, uh. And that really gave me a lot of power in terms of what I thought uh, and 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 the confidence I had in making the choice.
0: Well, that's good. So it built up your confidence. It yeah. gave you the, the feeling that you were in charge. That yeah. even though you had been accepted, something else came up which you decided you needed to do. So well, that's very good because a lot of quite often people are hesitant to change their mind because they might think, well, gee, this is taking a risk. I know I can't go back here. What am I going to do next? So you took the risk and you were successful. You know what else I was pondering prior to our speaking at this point today on the show? And that is that actors, I believe, have to, those that are award-winning, those that are really strong actors, have to be, to some extent, divergent thinkers because there are many opportunities to improvise. Wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. And Absolutely, quite often, yes. that improvisation can make the difference between, let's say, a high-quality performance and a stellar performance. In other words, something that's flawless, something that's impeccable. I mean, I anticipate mm-hmm. someone like uh, Meryl Streep as being able to do that mm-hmm. to see an opportunity to do something I know for example uh, a couple of years ago I had the pleasure of meeting um, the actress Leslie Caron at uh, Board Books when it was still with us and she was signing her book and uh, her autobiography and also talking about her life she was you know known for her role as Gigi and uh, When I read her book, she basically mentioned a number of performances in which she did improvise. And Mm -hmm. apparently, that really made a major difference in her career. So I think that divergent thinking has a place in all of our careers. Would you agree?
1: absolutely and i think that it shows up you know whether whether you're talking about acting or a job interview or a speaking engagement or uh, or or anything where life is happening in real time uh, which is essentially every situation the ability to think on one's feet and improvise is an unbelievable asset and and it involves It's what's necessary for it is a confidence in your own preparation to the point of uh, being in the moment, right? So, uh, whether to take acting as the example, just because we brought it up, and that's what I have most experience in. When when you prepare for an audition, you have your own decisions that you have to make. You make certain choices. You decide, you know, what your character's motivation is, what you think the character is getting at, where you feel like he's been, where you feel like he's going, uh, what you feel like the relationship is with the other person in the scene and what you want from that person. And you go into the audition and you play that. However, all of you, what you need to be willing to do is let go of all of that if the director or the casting person in the room asks you to try something different because nothing hurts you more than having the director or casting associate tell you to do something different, ask you to make an adjustment, and you're so married to what you've prepared that you just give them the same performance all over again. Because what that shows them is that you are perfectly able to perform uh, exactly what you've you've rehearsed, but that you aren't able to think on your feet. And similarly when you prepare for a job interview or uh, or or a speaking engagement if you are stuck to the script as it were in your head or even or on the actual page and you're unable to acknowledge what is actually happening in the moment people at in the worst case scenario people see it as false and people understand that you're not actually responding to the the environment around you and that's that uh can can be a letdown. However, just just showing a glimmer of the ability to do that, I think is an incredible asset and really excites people because we, we all know what it's like to see someone up on a stage giving a speech and someone in the audience, you know, uh laughs or some a baby cries or uh someone enters or exits the room at an untimely you know, in an untimely way and the and the speaker responds honestly to the moment, uh it it brings the house down. It gets a laugh, it it impresses us in a way that is only available if you actually are kind of aware of exactly what's going on right right then. And and all that is really, is is improvisation.
0: So let's go further, Michael. I have other stories to share with you here, and I know you have them as well. Let's talk about our experiences with planes. I want to tell you what happened when I was going from JFK to Toledo, Ohio, to meet with the dean of the medical school. There was a snowstorm. And there I was, stranded in the middle of Ohio, several hundred miles away from Toledo. The airport personnel said we would be spending the night in the airport. I thought to myself, I don't want to spend the night in the airport. I have an early morning meeting with the dean of the medical school, and I need to move here. So I went up to the desk. There were a small number of people, maybe about a dozen. And I said in a very simple way, we really could get to Toledo tonight if you could bring a small plane. Well, first they kind of looked at me. And then lo and behold, within about 15 or 20 minutes, they did manage to find a small plane. We all boarded it, and when we got into Toledo, it was so late that they had to keep the airport open for us to land, and we were in the midst of a snowstorm, so it was like two o'clock in the morning. Can you imagine this again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I mean it was quite a little experience, so again. Thinking about a solution, not accepting the status quo, and lo and behold, it worked. Even if it hadn't worked, I would have given it my all, correct? I mean, every time it doesn't always work, but it worked, and everybody was happy and kind of patted me on the back, thanking me for helping them because everyone had meetings. I wasn't the only one having a meeting. And I know you have a wonderful plane story as well. Uh, when you were traveling with your wife and your baby, so sh- share that with us.
1: Well, it's similar. Although I can't, I'm, I confess, I, I didn't, I didn't actually produce a plane, but but uh, <laughs> I was. I was traveling uh, with my wife and I had just had a baby, so our baby was four weeks old, really almost too young to fly. But my wife was the maid of honor in a wedding, and we were traveling to the Upper Peninsula in Michigan from New York, and it involved a layover in Detroit. And when we landed, we found out that our connecting flight had been overbooked, and my wife and I were bumped from the flight. And we were, and similarly to your story, we were the last flight out of Detroit that evening, and they asked, they told us that we would have to spend the night in the airport and uh, leave first thing in the morning. Now, my wife is four weeks fresh from having given birth, and our baby is four weeks old in this world, and there was absolutely no way that that was going to be acceptable. And somehow, I, I can imagine a scenario where I, I or anyone else might become infuriated or angry or lose control at that point because the chip, it, it certainly seemed like the chips were down and the situation was was almost dire you know uh but instead an incredible calm came over me because it was so clear to me what that this, this was not going to be what happened this was not, th- this this scenario was not acceptable and so one way or another it was going to change and the only person that was going to change it was me so I went up to the to the desk and just explained that there was just no chance that that we could possibly stay the night in the airport I had a four-week-old baby and, and a wife who was just out of the hospital and and uh, we needed either accommodations overnight or uh, an, another a, a ticket on another airline and within 5 minutes they had found another airline flying out in 25 minutes from the time that we were that we were speaking and uh they put they got us two tickets on it at no charge to us and uh, and off we went and it was just a matter of approaching the desk and asking for what i needed and i got it and it's uh it, it you know it's exactly what what happened to you there 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 comes a moment right. where you know you see what you need, and you ask for it and the worst case scenario is you don't get it, but I think more often than not, if you know what you need and you say it clearly,
0: you've Correct. got a pretty and,
1: good shot at it,
0: yeah, and also too, um I said it in a way that wasn't uh nasty, it was right. just with authority that's all it right. was, you know, taking charge. But I must tell you this other story, given that you love my plane story and I love yours. Listen to this. I was (laughs) on a plane headed to Rome, okay, uh, with my husband at that time. And lo and behold, there was a bomb scare. There was a bomb scare, and the plane landed in Boston. We were on our way to New York to then pick up the, the plane, you know, to Rome. And what happened next was when we landed, it was the middle of the night and they left the lights on and everybody was up and they didn't serve any food. It was a very unpleasant experience. Finally, the morning came. The morning came and they announced that we were going to go to New York to pick up food. Well, I thought to myself, why do we have to go to New York to pick up food? The Logan Airport in Boston, given that I grew up in Brookline, Massachusetts, I knew that airport well, could certainly provide food. So I went to the desk again and basically said, I didn't understand why we couldn't get food from the Logan Airport. And while I was asking that question, I quietly asked for everyone's attention and asked for people to show their hands as to whether they wanted to go directly to Rome, which was possible. We had enough fuel and we could go directly to Rome. And, of course, everybody put up their hand. And lo and behold, it didn't take too much time before they announced we would go to Rome Only we'd have sandwiches and not hot food, and that was it, and off we went. (laughs) That's that's
1: incredible.
0: Isn't that amazing? Off we went, you know, but without yelling, without screaming, just basically saying, you know, whatever you have. I mean, we've been here all night. I'm sure everybody wants to get there. They have all kinds of connecting flights, and it all works. Right. and You know, it's it's really amazing how you can uh, succeed if you're willing to think divergently, if you're willing to come up with different strategies. And I think that people need to kind of teach themselves how to be more creative because, in essence, it's creativity. In order to be creative... You have to be a divergent thinker. You have to think of many ways to solve a particular problem. So it has been exciting talking with you, Michael. And who knows? We may do another round of this, of sharing of the stories for divergent thinking purposes or to show something else. What do you think?
1: I would love it anytime and uh and thank you so much for having me. It was fun and I I agree completely. And I I can't believe the kind of pull you have with the airlines.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was something else. You know, I also have to say that um Ann Jackson and Eli Wallach, married couple actors, they had been sequestered, uh, taken away to a private room. And I thought to myself, we're not being sequestered. This is something else for me to follow up on here. So it was it was quite a little adventure. Let me ask you this. Is there something special we should be watching for that's coming up so we can see you uh, or hear are, there you? There are a couple of
1: things. There are a couple of things. I'm, I have a, a show on Nickelodeon called The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra. In which I play Viper, who is a villain with a voice like this uh, okay. and uh that show is that show uh premieres this spring this february on on Nickelodeon and there's also a movie called i heart Shaky uh which is a three d family comedy, and I play uh a good natured doorman uh and uh, who helps the hero. Uh, get his way so uh so look and be on the lookout for both of those things and uh, i'll keep you posted on the future
0: thanks so much michael and i really enjoyed having you thank okay. you so much it was a pleasure we need to practice our divergent thinking abilities change your breakfast change your routines change your uh driving patterns you can become a divergent thinker To learn more about my success strategies for your professional and your personal life, I suggest that you read my book, Win Without Competing, available on Amazon. Listen to more radio shows. To do that, go to drbarro.com. More than 70 shows. Visit winwithoutcompeting.com, barroglobal.com. Dr. Arlene, all spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R-A-R-L-E-N-E, rightfitmethod.com. You can watch Divergent Thinking in Action during this election year as we select our next president. Think about it. This is a highly complex hiring process and one worthy of watching. Remember this trigger tip. Rigidity is the enemy of creativity. Think divergently. Goodbye for now, Dr. Arlene.